Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news and playthroughs. Today, we're talking to Mike about Stars of Akarios. What's up, Mike? Hey. Funnily enough, I was just playing, uh, the reason I was a little bit late to get on is I was playing uh, ISS Vanguard, which is also a campaign-based space epic game. (laughs) Well, you know, you can never have too many combat-based space epic combat Well, that's a good, there's almost no combat. It's it's definitely more like (laughs) narrative and exploration. So they are are very, very different, (laughs) even though they're both like space epics. Well, it's good to know because you actually haven't, we haven't reviewed that one yet. So the fact that you're still playing it and you did your five-point review and playthrough, right? I didn't do a review for ISS Vanguard yet. I, I'm trying to get farther into the campaign before I cover it. So I'm like I'm like on my fifth planet. So I want to do at least a few more. Okay. Nice. See, look at that. Uh, slaving for your craft there, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing what you got to do, buddy. Then we will have a design discussion after we're done today on does everything have to be compared to Gloomhaven? <laughs> we couldn't think of a better name yep. for it. But, like, should we all just make Gloomhaven? Well, I mean, uh, like, the, the no pun intended or no pun included, I forget what their channel is called. Uh, they did their review recently, and, like, their title was about Gloomhaven. The Dice Tower review called it Space Gloomhaven. The game kind of advertised itself as Gloomhaven. But every other game gets uh, compared to Gloomhaven, too. <laughs> like, somebody commented, well, I'll say this for the design discussion, but there were, like, some funny comments recently on one of our videos where somebody was like, oh, is this, like, Gloomhaven? And I'm like, not even in the slightest way. <laughs> right. No, Tiny Epic Pirates is nothing like Gloomhaven. Sorry. <laughs> Dungeons I mean, might be. I don't I know. Played I, I played Pirates. <laughs> I did play Pirates. That's why I mentioned that one, because I knew that oh, one. Oh, okay. So, anything else you've been playing? I- ISS Vanguard, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's been the big one. I also got Battlecrest, which is a 1v1 skirmish game, which I always enjoy. But this one is from Button Shy, so the entire thing is only 18 cards. Oh, wow. It's pretty incredible what they managed to do. Like, the board is six cards, but it's actually, like, a pretty cool board. And each of the characters huh. is six cards, but it's actually pretty unique how they work. And it does have a solo mode. The solo mode, I'm I'm not sure I like yet. So I need to play it more and do like an actual review. But but to give you like my main problem, Peter. So in the main game, a lot of the game is positioning. And like some people have range attacks and some people have melee attacks, you know, and like it's different based on what like you're doing and all that kind of stuff. Right. In the solo game, the AI can always hit you and they just kind of move around randomly, which is certainly simpler. But it makes some of the fighters especially weird, like where they like are using their most powerful melee attacks. But like. They shouldn't be, you know? I don't know. It's, it's yeah. I have to play it more and get a bigger feel for it. So, so but does that way make the, the, ranger, the range characters weaker and the strong melee characters stronger? That's what I feel like. And if that's just something that's, if that's I just mean, how the solo works and you, like, can play it as a harder or weaker boss, I guess that's fine. Yeah, I know? mean, I, I would be okay with that because I'd assume normally range combat does less damage just because they have the advantage of range, don't have to move as much, whatever yes, else. Yes, generally that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you just call it the hard boss... And, yeah. and and call it a day, then uh, it's fine. I mean, I don't know that it leads to, because I haven't played it, uh, interesting tactical decisions. It, it kind of does. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I think there's more ways to control the AI than I think there are so far. Because so far I've been having a hard time winning even at the basic difficulty, which tends to mean that I'm not playing well. <laughs> so yeah, Go I need, I need to dig character. in more. <laughs> yes. But I will say that the 1v1 is great. Clearly that's not what I'm going to cover on the channel. But like, yeah, Harrison and I have really been enjoying that. Cool. Well, yeah, no, it's cool that you get to do that. And then we played Sleeping Gods this past week on the stream, uh, streaming channel. Because there's not enough big narrative campaign games out there. Let's let's throw in a few more. (laughs) Well, and actually, a little plug, tomorrow I'm going to be on Boards and Brews. Yeah, Yeah. well, Hungry Gamer is a channel, but yeah, it's like his his little thing that he does every once in a while. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about epic narrative campaigns, ironically. I think he just got Oathsworn recently, so I'm sure it's on his mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I wouldn't necessarily call an epic campaign. I guess twenty some games. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe maybe I, that's... I mean, not not everyone is fast forwarding through the narrative sections like you are. So that doubles the length of the campaign, basically. <laughs> Touche. 
Touche. And to be honest, I haven't gotten it to the table, which makes me very sad since uh, Gen Con this year. So well, I'm forcing you to play other space based campaign games. Apparently. Well, yeah, you guys keep bringing out all these new games, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, the I second you're done with Agarius, but... and I'm done with ISS Vanguard, I'm throwing that at you next. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes, that one's going to be, yeah, longer, epic as well. Okay, so we played that, and then afterward, after you got off, I ended up playing another game with Jerry called Barrage. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Wait, you actually played that? We played it, and we played the whole thing. So it's now on Board Game Arena. I think it's only on in beta. We're just going to play a couple turns. Neither of us remember how to play, although we kind of figured it out as we were going. But we literally basically read through the rules and started playing. We were up till 2 in the morning that night. But Yeah, I was going to say, like, so for context, everybody, like, after the stream was done, it was already, like, at least midnight. And Peter was like, hey, Jerry, you want to play Barrage? Like, in a joking tone. And Jerry's like, no, man, what the heck are you talking about? Then I was like, bye, guys, and I left. And apparently Peter is very yep. persuasive when I'm not there. <laughs> well, no, I just said, let's play a couple turns. I don't care. We don't have to finish. Let's see how the you know user interface is and all that stuff. Uh, th- th- that's how you hook them. <laughs> and once we started playing, I'm like, all right, dude, I just wanted to see how it was. He just wanted to keep playing. So we kept playing. So Barrage, for those of you who don't know, it's the weirdest name ever because it sounds like some kind of a combat game, whatever else. No, it's a game about water coming down and damming the water off and like making power like plants and doing other things it's basically harnessing power it's an economic game where you're harnessing power you're using like different resources you have to basically make this economic engine work it's actually one of the meanest games i've ever seen though i'd never played a two-player we'd only played it um more players and and there's a reason i'm getting all this um even though it's a competitive game Like, two players actually worked pretty well. I was surprised how well it worked, but they had an Automa system, which actually also works solo. So you can play this game solo, so definitely look forward to a playthrough of that coming on the channel soon. I'll probably just play it on BGA, even though we have a physical copy of the game, and and I know there's a TTS version. BGA version is actually pretty good, and you don't have to know all the rules as well, which sometimes is one of the hard parts with some of these Automa AIs, especially if they get more complicated. It's good when you have something running it for you, and it ran very smoothly on Board Game Arena. So if you haven't tried Barrage, it's a good place to try it, and go ahead and try a solo game. All the rules are up there and it's very well implemented from what i've seen but uh also look forward to a playthrough of that because i'm the euro guy yes you are (laughs) (laughs) all right uh you want to thank some patrons before we get to akarios absolutely well we should oh we did mention what our design discussion was about so never mind yes let's get to that i even i even started having a design discussion (laughs) and then remembered that i was supposed to wait (laughs) yes nice oh yeah so uh we have a patreon if you didn't know patreon.com slash one stop Get early access to our videos, and then I do two, at least two exclusive videos there every month. I actually have to do the second one for this month in the next few days, otherwise I'll miss my deadline. Lots of like top 10 lists and uh, top uh, rankings for certain companies and ranking like uh, different types of games, like adventure games against each other. So lots of fun stuff on there, but also, you know, it's just great for you to help support us because... Uh, we're buying like new computers, new recording software, like uh, paying for uh, podcast hosting fees and all these other things. Just but anyway, uh, all yeah. that aside, want to thank our some of our amazing patrons: uh, Matt Mendonca, Marvin, Jonathan Sinton, and Timo Saarinen. I'm sorry if I got the last name wrong. So Matt, Marvin, Jonathan, and Timo, thank you all for your support. Thanks to all our patrons, and thanks to everybody who subscribes to the streaming channel, subscribes to the main channel. Uh, has rated us on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen to our stuff. Uh, all that stuff helps. And hey, just join our Discord and talk to us. That's always fun too. So anyway, you want to be involved, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you want to get involved in this discussion, we do uh, stream this live on our One Stop Co-op Shop streaming channel. And please join us. Usually it's going to be the Tuesday before we release the podcast. We start recording around 930. Come on and join in the discussion. We love to uh, hear your comments. And so anybody out there in the chat today who wants to comment in, let us know your thoughts on the game or on our discussion tonight. We'll read some of the best ones for you. All right, Mike. Well, let's get going. Stars of Akarios. Let's talk about this non-generic theme. So the story so it's far a little generic was that a joke <laughs> that, that was a joke that was very much okay. joke. <laughs> it's not generic fantasy but let's let's uh let's see what kind of space trope we have which i realize we also have maybe in our game and maybe we should change some of the tropes because it's like the exact hey, same man, story. Pe- people and, enjoy trish people enjoy trish. all right so the story so far you and your fellow cadets are close to completing your akarios institute pilot training when an unknown enemy attacks your home planet of medallia you first fight back with your war hero captain Soma and her ship, the Sparrow. 
you must fight back. And you first fight back. First and last. I was about to say, like, what second? And then it didn't sound like there was any second. (laughs) I I was waiting for the second myself. But, you know, the second is me learning to read. (laughs) (laughs) So throughout Stars of Icarus, you will fight in epic space battles, upgrade your ship, and explore the fringes of space. So that's, that's a basic overview of the theme. Why don't you quickly cover the rules because this could get very long if you try to cover everything about the rules, but uh, just a quick yeah, overview. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so this is a big campaign game, like over 20 scenarios, a, a good bit over. The, like the biggest part of the game is this space combat on hexes. Players are rolling four dice and using them to activate basic actions that like move you and attack, but also specific uh, engine cards and weapon cards that have more special abilities. And then you also have like pilot abilities and stuff. And you're trying to attack the enemy ships and blow them up. There's other like objectives. Sometimes the enemies are activated by like a single activation card that will have them uh, move in a specific way and attack in a specific way. And they'll do one or the other based on where you are in relation to them. And they're trying to blow you up. <laughs> it is uh, there is a lot of Gloomhaven in here. Like th- those actions are not that reminiscent of Gloomhaven, although the enemy activation kind of is. But it has uh, the same thing where like you can uh, trash cards from your ship temporarily to prevent damage. You have a modifier deck that you draw from to modify your attacks. But then when you're not doing that, you also have uh, planet exploration where you're moving around sort of seventh continent style and flipping square cards to explore and reading uh, narrative passages from a book to find out what happens or with the app. And then um, there's also like very minor managing your ship and like traveling around uh, phases that will get you into either of the other things. That's like the least fleshed out part and is barely even worth mentioning because it's such a tiny part of the gameplay. It's really mostly the mostly the spaceship combat. That's like 80 percent at least of what you're doing. And then the planets uh, pop up every once in a while for the exploration. Yes. All right, so let's get into our top five. For those of you who haven't joined us before, what we do here is we talk about the top five things we think about the game, starting with number five, which is the least important, and going to our number one, which we feel is the most important thing you need to know. Now, number five is still important, or we wouldn't mention it at all. So these are all very important points to us, and then we get through final thoughts at the end. All right, I will start with my number five, which is the story. I kind of joked about it up front. It is a story you have seen before. That is for sure. But the one thing I will say about it is that they play with the tropes a little bit, uh, especially when you look at, like, they have event cards. So you won't always see all the event cards as you go through. And you are making choices with the story throughout as well. And so you could take different paths. You can choose to do different things. And they'll give you minor effects right then and there like it might say get one stress at the beginning of the next combat or lose two health or something along those lines but then you mark down this narrative thing and i think a lot of these story-based games are doing this now and then later on it says hey if you have this checked read this narrative passage as well so the story does come back around they tie things together even when big events happen they'll have like two things that sound kind of similar as the title for whatever event happened. But based on how you got there, the story will be different. There might be different narrative passages later. But uh, one of the things I thought was kind of interesting, so we all know the the space combat. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, But this was an event that happened. You may or may not even see this event. And it's like, you know, this ship is stranded and they're, they're signaling out and what's going on. And like, they don't have any visuals and their power seems low and like all this stuff. And so the question is, wait a minute. Is this going to lead to this whole, like, alien encounter thing? You know, it definitely sounded a lot like, all right, this is definitely a trap. Or is this like, you know, you if you fly by, am I just now abandoning all these people? Well, let's just say we made the wrong choice um, and, uh, and uh, there were consequences because of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it plays with some of those tropes. It plays with your emotions at some point. You're like, oh, I know this story, but you might not. You might not. I'm <laughs> just saying. When tropey things come up, they don't always follow through on that, which is kind of nice, and it keeps you wanting to read more. The passages are kind of long. They do have... Uh, well, I will say... So so the passages between missions are a little bit long. It's like a page of text. But like in a mission, if you're like looking at something, kind of like in that Seventh Continent explorey way, the passages are pretty quick, and you still get quite a bit of story in these... like two to three sentence little narrative. So I thought they did a real good job there. I thought they could have trimmed down the overall narrative a bit. Now there is an app that will read some of that to you. Although I had Mike listen to the mission we played today and uh, on the app and it might need some cleaning up. Just download the Stars of Acarios app, whether you played the game or not. Listen to mission eight. 
it's kind of hilarious. There's a, it's like a two or three minute clip, but uh, yeah, clearly they didn't edit it, in, and it was meant to be edited. So uh, they'll probably have that fixed, you know, by the time you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, years down the road. But if you listen pretty quickly, it's pretty hilarious. So uh, there, you can have somebody read it to you, although I will say it might not be perfectly edited. Yeah, my, my number five uh, hits on a lot of things, like my number five and number four kind of together. In fact, let me just do both of them at the same time. Yep. So my five is the world exploration aspect. I did put it so low on the list just because you don't spend as much time in there. Um, I enjoyed, like, some of them are more linear, but some of them do have, like, more interesting stuff going on. Like, you make different choices and you talk to different people and you go different ways. So some of the more involved ones are kind of interesting. I like the sense of exploration. Like it's, it's, I don't know. I, I enjoy seventh continent too. It's fun just to like move on to places and see what's there and find out who's there. Um, on the negative side, as Peter mentioned, uh, there's sometimes too much reading. And also I found like in the world exploration specifically that a lot of time you would like read stuff and like, it would kind of flesh out story, but sometimes it would be a bit redundant with stuff you already knew. And there'd be like too much reading. Like I'd investigate four things on a tile and like three of them would do nothing and not progress anything or give me anything. So that, that was sometimes a little bit frustrating. The other thing is they did like zero basically to balance for player count. Yes. Uh, with true <laughs> solo, it's like horrific. <laughs> like you're barely going to have enough time to do stuff. Even with two players, it's really not that big of a challenge to like do all the stuff you need to do. And three to four players, it's child's play. So I would not recommend playing this game true solo just for that. Although I think the spaceship combats are also more interesting with more ships. But yeah, that, that's another like uh, not so great thing about the world exploration. And my number four, kind of tying into what you just said, Peter, is a story and campaign. Uh, I'll just add in a few things because I agree with everything you said. They do kind of like on the app, the writing itself tends to be uh, have some mistakes, not a ton, but certainly they are present. You can see that like this maybe could have cooked in development a little bit longer. The story is a bit generic, as Peter said. The characters aren't really fleshed out. You don't really feel like you meet a lot of the characters in a meaningful way. But that being said, I do like uh, the, especially like mid to late campaign, there are some big branching moments and like you go through entire different like sets of missions and like uh, get entirely different allies based on what you choose. And there are like pretty cool, like epic, exciting moments and dramatic moments in the campaign. So I, I actually enjoyed the story quite a bit, but it's also a little bit rough and a little generic. It's not going to uh, <laughs> knock your socks off like uh, some amazing sci-fi novel or anything. Well, and the one thing I forgot to mention also is fail forward. Yes. So that, I mean, even if you fail a mission, you get a story, you know, based on that failure, you get, again, you may have to mark off certain things based on that failure, but you get to keep playing. You don't have to replay the mission over, which I mean, honestly, in a game like this is a blessing. Yeah. I mean, I, I am, uh, <laughs> I am unforgiving of having to replay missions at this point, I guess for Oathsworn you do, although they, I think they give you an option to just be like, Hey, forget it and just pass by. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Even in that one. <laughs> and I don't think it really matters. In a lot of these games, it honestly does not really matter. We could talk about difficulty as well. Not necessarily for this one, but, you know, we we played a game. Which one was it? We just reviewed last week where there was no fail state, right? With Jerry? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Trudvang Legends. Right. It, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? So a lot of these games, you want them to be easy enough that people can get through it all where they don't have to replay missions. Uh, that's the hard part about campaigns. And I guess we'll talk about it at the end. We'll talk about it at the end. Cause uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I think that goes into our design discussion pretty well, but remind me, I want to talk about like, does it matter whether you win or lose <laughs> like a mission or not? And, and I think the negative consequences of making it matter. All right. Mm -hmm. So my number four is the combat Dyson deck. So there's two different ways that combat happens in this game. It's different on ground combat versus space combat, but they all use two basic components. One of them is dice. The dice are six-sided dice. One side of the dice has stress, where there's this track, and as you get more stress, you add more misses to your combat deck, which is very similar to Gloomhaven, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But basically, there are zero cards, there's plus ones, there's plus twos, and there's doublers, and there's also minus ones, minus twos, and a miss. And the doubler and the miss both have you reshuffle that deck. So you're going to add more misses to your deck as your stress goes up and up, which I think is kind of neat. Uh, but one side of the dice has stress on it. Another side has a wild, which is basically there's only two symbols on it. One is movement and one is attacking. And then the other four sides of the dice either have just a movement or just an attack on it. I believe it's two of each. And then when you roll those dice... In space combat, you basically says, use this kind of a dice here. And of course, if you roll a wild, you can use either. The stress side is interesting because you can use it as either symbol, 
but you do have to add a stress to yourself. And again, the more stress you add, the more you go up track, the more misses you're going to add. And eventually you're going to add these uh, things. Well, it triggers you and you're going to add these like really bad things that'll happen. That'll kind of change the way your game plays for the rest of this mission. So you don't want your stress to get too, too high or you get these trigger effects. I don't know. It's just interesting how these dice work. And it works similar on ground combat, too. You don't use the deck of cards for the ground combat, but you are using the dice there. And to pass a test there, it'll tell you you need two successes, three successes. But what I think is interesting about the way the dice are used is that you get to pick how many you roll for the ground one. And for the space one, you just get to pick how many you use. So you're rolling four dice every turn, but you don't have to use them all. Like, if you don't want to take stress right now, you just don't use those stress sides of the dice. Or if you roll all movement symbols you can take a stress to re-roll those dice once. So there are different options, and there's other options also which can use either side of the dice, like turning your ship, things like that. So they give you ways to use the dice in interesting ways, but they still make the choices interesting and tactical, especially when you roll those stress sides, because sometimes those will help you, and they'll make your actions a little bit more powerful, but a lot of times it does just add stress and make it worse for the long run. So maybe I only use two dice or three dice this turn. So I think it's interesting how they give you that choice of not necessarily using all your dice. And then again, the other way the combat's resolved is through those cards. I'm sure we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that kind of all gets slammed together in one of my later points. But uh, my number three is the upgrading system. Some good and bad here. That, that's kind of my the story of this game. So on the fun side, you know, sort of again, like it's trying to imitate Gloomhaven in some ways. But just in general, I think there's a lot of cool things that you can upgrade. So you can get these engine parts to give you new ways to move. You can get these weapons to give you new ways to attack. You get pilot upgrades based on which pilot you have. And you can even unlock new pilots and new ships. And then, like, they have new upgrades. You can get ship upgrades. You're upgrading your modifier deck. When you get the new pilots and new ships, they automatically, like, level up to where you are. So you also, like, waste time uh, building them back up. So that's all cool. Like, I like it all. And especially the later weapons and engines and, like, powers can be really exciting and cool. On the negative side, sometimes, like, especially uh, leveling up your modifier deck feels like it goes a little bit too slow. I feel the same way about Gloomhaven, though, where sometimes, like, I wish it would just level up a bit more quickly. And Peter mentioned the fail forward thing. But one part I don't like about it necessarily is that um, it's a bit of a poor get poorer system in that you get, uh, like, less money and fewer upgrades sometimes when you uh, <laughs> lose a scenario versus winning it. So... It's not necessarily a problem if you just lose a few, but if you lose a whole bunch in a row, like you're going to be buying fewer cool things. And like, I I know there has to be some kind of penalty to dying, you know, or losing. (laughs) Otherwise you're just playing Treadbang Legends. (laughs) But yeah, I I don't know. Like taking away the money you spend to upgrade is maybe not my preferred way they could have done that. But it's, it's not like the worst thing in the world. The upgrading is mostly pretty cool. Yeah, no, and I agree. I I put leveling slash uh, upgrading. Uh, I said it's a good pace, actually. For me... Even though you're not necessarily leveling every mission, unlike Gloomhaven, where like you're doing all these things to get these checks and like you need three of them to get something pretty cool. Like here, after each mission, you're getting one pilot upgrade pretty much every mission that I've seen. And it takes two to fully upgrade something, but you're still making a decision one mission, like which part of the path you want to go up and then next mission you're actually getting the thing so it felt like a decent pace plus they give you opportunities to buy stuff as you're going along don't get me wrong i i do think that it goes fast at the beginning and it definitely slows down after that um and even then i'm not so sure that all the upgrades are the most exciting things in the world yes but i mean yeah i I don't know it's hard these campaigns aren't always my favorite thing anyway just because there's so much look i'd prefer to level up two or three times in a mission grabbing new weapons oh yes yeah yeah. i I guess that does peter and i both have similar preferences so this is just kind of going against it and to be fair a combat mission in stars of a car you can often crank out in 30 or 40 minutes well that's so that's the key and i guess that's one point i didn't put in there and that's why it felt like i level you level pretty quick because even if you do a ground combat you're still getting those pilot skill points. So it's not like it's just the air ones that you're getting pilot skill points. You're still leveling up even after the ground missions. And again, they all play pretty quickly. You know, like Mike said, 30, 40 minutes for a mission, which which felt nice. I think we're on your number three, right? That was my number three, which is leveling also. Oh, shoot. I didn't realize you were talking about your number three. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, no. That would, that would have been an awful lot of after talk, but I, I know I could be talkative. So that's not surprising. 
Uh, number two is looking at the enemies in the ship combat. I'm going to focus on the ship combat for the end because that's what I haven't talked about much yet. The enemies, uh, they have like an individual board for each one where you're tracking their uh, their shields, their hull strength. It has like their stats, like uh, status effects you put on them. That all works pretty well. Each enemy's turn is pretty quick to resolve. They tend to move in like different ways and attack in different ways. So that's all kind of fun. So yeah, like it's pretty streamlined. I appreciate that. On the negative side, I sometimes like there are differences between the different like races of enemies you fight, but often you tend to fight the same kind multiple times in a row and they don't necessarily feel all that difference in play regardless. And then also um, I sometimes found, I don't know if you felt this way, Peter, but I sometimes found like the enemies turned a little too easily and a little too freely. So it felt like sometimes my hard fought tactical positioning didn't actually matter as much as it did because the enemies move somewhat randomly and kind of turn really quickly. So that's a minor thing, but mostly I like that the enemy turns go very quickly and, you know, you don't have to spend all your time. Things I don't love there. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about that in my number one point. But to get to my number two, I actually did the ground combat. And I talked a little bit about it when I was talking about the dice. But the exploration part for me was actually quite interesting. Like I said, Mm -hmm. even though you said there's a lot of reading in there, and there can be if you're doing two or three things in a row, the way we were playing it today was like somebody like, oh, I'm exploring number nine, read number nine. Oh, and I'm exploring number eight, read number eight. Okay, so like we were just kind of kept it moving because you can certainly bog down if you let one person take all their actions and they're hemming and hawing, should I do this or this? Now you only have your same four dice that you get for space combat. And this is what I kind of alluded to but never quite got into. When you do ground combat, it says you need two successes to do something or three successes and it'll tell you you might need fighting symbol you might need your movement symbol but so you get to roll as many dice as you want and even if you're just doing an easy test like you know look at this thing can use any result and you only need one result you would think oh i'm going to just roll one dice every time but it may be the end of your turn you don't want to leave the place you're at so you might not want to use that extra dice so you may roll both dice in case one of them creates a stress you don't have to use that dice. So you get to choose which dice you use to resolve the test, which is interesting. I haven't seen it done that way before. Would I play a game where it was just that? I don't know. But, you know, the space missions are probably three to one to the to the ground missions. So throwing this in there every once in a while, I think, changes it up in a nice way because, honestly, it, it can get a little repetitive after a while playing the same kind of thing over and over again. But at the same time, it's also a full nother set of rules that you have to learn, which is kind of one of my biggest negatives for the game. And you said there was a lot of mixed in this game. So this one definitely is mixed for me as well. I like what you're doing in the ground missions. They're not that complicated to do. It's not that hard to learn the rule set. And none of these rule sets are hard. But the fact that there's three of them in the game, a ground combat, a tactical combat, and an overall combat, it's like, it's kind of weird that they have all those. So while I do like it, I think the test system is very interesting. I don't know that I'd play a full game based around it, but I also don't know that I want it in this game either. So (laughs) while mostly pro, I enjoyed it every time I did it. I also don't know that it fits in a great spot either. So definitely mixed for me. All right. My number one is uh, focus on what you do in the tactical battles, and that kind of combines what Peter already talked about with the dice activation. I agree. It's uh, pretty cool. It does give you some cool choices. I don't think you mentioned this, Peter, but not only did, are the stress dice wild at a cost, but when you use like a lot of your special abilities, they sometimes give you bonuses. Yep. Like you do more damage, or you can like turn in your action. So yeah, I, I think it's it's a consistently fun system. It's cool to set up like rear shots on enemies to maneuver in such a way that you get them in your sights to set up like, uh, especially when you get like area of effect attacks, set up uh, things that you like hit multiple enemies at once, like put the right status effects on enemies. Certainly the best part of the game by far for me was the ship combat. And the fact that you can play through a whole one in like 30 or 40 minutes, it's streamlined, it's fun. Are your ships the most different they could be? Are they as different as like, again, heroes in Gloomhaven? No, no. But is this game way easier to just throw on the table and play like a, a ship combat or two? Yes. So, uh, yeah, that, that's I think it is where clearly the most uh, time in the design went into. And I think it's the best part of the game by far for me. Uh, Peter, I know you were going to talk about the combat. Is it the same for you? Yep. My number one's the tactical combat. And I, I mean, both the enemies and the players. And I know I've heard some complaints about the game where the enemy movement is kind of wild and swingy. And like you mentioned it a little bit where they can kind of even if you get around behind them, they can turn around and get to you. I mean, right. I think the whole point of getting behind them is so you get that advantage, which yeah, if you, you're right. If you think about like Gloomhaven, the way advantage works is you get to flip two cards and pick your better one. So if you 
maneuver yourself in such a way to get behind them. It, look, it's not like Top Gun, right? I just saw Top Gun Maverick where, you know, you get behind them and then you're behind them the whole time. It's definitely not going to be that way. Even games like X-Wing, you get behind them. It's going to be very hard for them to maneuver around to get to a point where they're you're not behind them anymore. It might even take a couple turns. And so that might be more satisfying in some ways. But this is a quick tactical game. I've played X-Wing with AI. And let me tell you, it's not chaotic the way this one is but at a cost, at a big cost. And yeah. I would take this combat over that combat a hundred times out of a hundred because I don't want to sit there and calculate, am I within range one of him? Okay, so he's going to take this kind of aggressive positioning. Do I have more health than him? Or does was his last maneuver this kind of maneuver? You know, like, forget it. Like, at some point, I'm just like, where do I move him? What do they do? And I never had an issue with that. It's pretty easy. You turn them to basically face towards you. They do the maneuver and it's different on every card. So this is a little different than something like a Gloomhaven. They may do wild stuff, which is why it might seem chaotic sometimes. They may strafe to the right and like, you know, turn and bank around you, or they may strafe to the left and do the same thing, or they may come straight at you, or they might do a U-turn or whatever else. There's a lot of different things they can do and they'll you know, turn before the move, they'll turn after the move. They really do a lot of things to kind of try to get in weird positions. Now, sometimes it's wonky and they'll fly through an asteroid field, right? But I mean, they're freaking out. That's, that's the best part. I like yes. that they do that. <laughs> yes. So that, that kind of stuff can happen. But I mean, it doesn't bother me because it's so quick to resolve. And again, you're you're resolving four to six of them at a time. So you don't want it to take forever to do. You don't want them to overthink and you don't want to have to make decisions for them. So I don't know. For the most part, it's good. I mean, for me, it's pretty much all good. You're right. This is what you come to this game for. And I'm glad it's three quarters of actual gameplay is this ship combat because it is the best part of it. Yeah, you know, hearing you talk about it, I think you're right. Maybe I should be more positive on the enemies because even them being like a little bit weird and wonky in their movement makes the movement puzzle for you a bit more interesting. If they always moved in a more intelligent way or in a more controlled way, you wouldn't have to, (laughs) you'd be like, where the hell are they going? I can't shoot them now, you know? So yeah, there are definitely positives to sort of the weirdness of their activation. And again, it's, it's just so fast. Like that's maybe the best part. Yeah, I mean, the hardest part is sometimes you got to, like, sit in a different spot in the table, like, turn the card a different way to, like, okay, which way are they going? They're going two to the front left, but then they turn this way. Wait, what? What? How does it do it? I mean, it doesn't take that long, and once you figure it out for the first one, it's pretty quick to go for the other ones. Yeah. Um, unlike something like Gloomhaven, where it's, like, move four spaces towards your guy. I mean, I found those to be more generic than these guys, which even their attacks will have different special triggers on it, too. Sometimes they'll stun yeah. you. Sometimes they'll do whatever. The ones where they do worse effects, they tend not to move as much or have a more limited range so i do Mm. think it's kind of interesting how they could play with that system and even though the enemies do feel like you said you're fighting the same ones over and over but they have enough combat cards and there are enough different ones none of it's going to feel that different Uh, that's the one thing i will say like the combat you know after a while it's cool to do these maneuver things but after a while it does get a little bit repetitive if you play like three, four, five games in a row, which you can because they're like 30 or 45 minutes each. But yeah, for me, I get bored in the same way playing one long X-Wing mission, right? Where if I'm playing the the solo X-Wing, I get bored by the end of that as well, where I feel like that gets repetitive. So I think for me, it's just I have to sit down a half hour to an hour of it is good in a row. I think more Mm -hmm. than that gets repetitive either way. So you have to figure out if that's something that's true for you as well. All right, so yeah, getting to final thoughts. I like the ship combat a lot. There's some fun things to do in the world exploration. The narrative is okay. All that being said, there's so many of these big campaign games. This one's a pretty expensive and large (coughs) one. It's tough for me to recommend it over other ones. I mean, I will say if you are really into the sci-fi theme and you want cool ship combat in like a campaign narrative, I'm not sure if there's anything else I could really recommend. No, <laughs> you know the, what I, I mean? mean? Yeah, this is the only one in its genre, really. Yeah, but I mean, if you want a better focus on narrative and like a more cohesive campaign so far from what I played, ISS Vanguard is definitely, I think, superior to this one, although it's probably even more expensive. Unsettled, I like better for like the planetary exploration stuff. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think you got to come here for the tactical combat. You got to, you know, watch some videos of it and see if you like it. And if you're in for like a big, big campaign, because if you just want tactical ship combat, there are a bunch of games that do that. Although not too many that are solo co-op. Yeah, that's um, true. And usually it's like a usually it's a 
uh, attacked on like mode that is a little bit tough to run. So this is maybe one of the, the cleanest <laughs> systems I've seen for solo com- spaceship combat. So yeah, it, it's got things to recommend it, but it's not like blowing me away. I played a lot of this to get it ready to review. There are other campaign games that I would rather get to the table first, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm in a somewhat similar position to you. I really enjoyed what I was doing. Whenever I'm playing it, I said I get bored with it, but not really, because like I keep playing it, right? And I keep pulling it back out. So I don't know. The, the space combat is good. It's fun. I've, I've enjoyed every time I've played it. But like you, I do feel like it gets to be too much. Like I played five or six missions with my son, you know, the last couple of days, just to remind myself getting ready for the review. And I'm like, oh, we're done the prologue. And there's three other acts after this. So like, I guess I never actually got bored with the space combat, but I just foresee future boredom. Because I mean, the prologue's not even a third of it, right? Like, so it's like, how how many missions are we really going to have to go through to get done with this? And so I don't know, it's just the overwhelmingness of this large campaign. And the other thing is, while it has an okay way to save from game to game, I don't know that it's the best. First of all, Mm. they never tell you to mark where you are. Like when we finished our campaign, Mike, there's literally no track of where we are in the campaign. I guess you leave the book open to the page that you were on, but there's no space to write in where you're supposed to go next or what you're supposed to be doing next. It's not like there's a map like Gloomhaven where you mark stuff off. There's literally, as far as I could tell, there is no way. Now, they have individual trays which is great to save your character stuff that like the tray for the ship like you mark how much supplies and stuff you have you just cover it up there is a there is a a a sheet that marks like what story points you've marked off and stuff but literally in no space does it ever ask you like where you stopped so when i was trying to save our campaign i had no idea where we were in the book anywhere else like because there might be several missions on one page too like when they're these like short little story passages I mean, yes, it's not that hard, right? You just write down, next mission is this. But there's literally no space to do that. Like, no no space provided that, like, has you track exactly where you are. Unlike something like Victorum, which I said was very easy. You put it away. You have exactly where you are. All you need to do is take a picture of where you are on the map, how many days you've traveled. All that's all already on the, the sheet itself. This didn't have that. I mean, it's little things like that. I was laughing about the story today. I had you play like from the book where like it wasn't edited. It's just little stuff like that. And like, why is the space board there? Not the space board, like not the space combat, but the overall space exploration part where you got to like move from one place to the other using supplies along the way. That was so not necessary, (laughs) less than not necessary, like actively hurt because now you got to have an area for that map to be set up off to the side. There's no way to mark where you are. By the way, your ship comes off of that board and goes onto the main board where you're fighting sometimes. There's no way to mark where you just were. I mean... (laughs) I don't know. It's just stuff like that. It's like you put something in your game, which I think is supposed to help overall. And yes, it adds some narrative moments or whatever else, but you could do that. You could have done that with cards. They basically do that anyway. They're like, draw a card when you go here. Well, why couldn't I just draw a card between the missions, right? Like I didn't need a board to tell me to do this, but I mean, Gloomhaven does it too. Even Osworn, which is a game I really like, has that kind of dumb town phase in between. And it's fun like the first time, but then it's just I don't know. Maybe it's just a preference thing. But for me... Well, yeah, I was going to say, I like it's weird for both of us to be re- reviewing these games because I, I don't think either of us is... If only because there are so many different games we have to play and it's hard for us to focus on one game for a long, long time. I don't think either of us is like loving campaign games as much as many groups do. You know, like I, I see in our Discord, people are like, hey, I've played through... You know, there's people who are just talking about how they finished Oathsworn. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot. You finished it? Good job. Yeah, like, we never finished Gloomhaven. Like, <coughs> I, don't, I don't think big, long campaigns have ever been our forte or our strength or our preference. And that's fine. But I think anybody watching the review, it's probably good to say that. Like, this is not where we love to live, generally speaking. Yes. All right. Well, I feel like I've talked a lot today. So let's have you lead us into our design discussion. Why is everything compared to Gloomhaven, Mike? Yeah, so so what what brought this up besides the Stars of Akarios kind of like comparing itself to Gloomhaven and of course getting compared to Gloomhaven because of that, I think. But so there was a, you know, I thought it was a YouTube comment. I'm wrong. It was an email. So someone emailed us about a game and they were like, hey, do you want to cover our game? It's like Gloomhaven. And I'm not going to say what the game is. I, I don't have any negative feelings toward it. I just thought this was a weird thing to say. So I looked at it and like, yes, you are characters moving on a board. 
like in a fantasy setting, but it's like a narrative game with like no combat and no <laughs> hand management. And I was like, this is like Gloomhaven. Oh, and they said like Gloomhaven and Descent. And I was like, so you're just saying like, it's a fantasy game right. with <laughs> miniature, but it wasn't even a dungeon crawler. Like at least those are dungeon crawlers. So yeah, I think it is interesting that just because Gloomhaven is such an elephant in the room and its success is so profound, like even outside of like kind of core gamers, like people have heard of it and maybe even played it. And then like Jaws of the Lion is huge and so cheap in Target. I think Gloomhaven gets brought up more than it should. Like Stars of Icarios is not actually that much like Gloomhaven, you know, and, and this is one that Just is actively deck. trying to be like Gloomhaven. Like yeah. I'd say the enemy activation is kind of like Gloomhaven, but how many games are, you know, so many games are like that. Ish, ish that but not that much, I don't feel like. Because yeah. again, Gloomhaven, it's like they, you know, they have a movement range or whatever. This, they actively yeah. like move in interesting ways. Like, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that's the case at all in Gloomhaven. So I, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, really, the only thing that. in this game that is very Gloomhaven is the modifier deck and how it levels up. That's like the main thing. Well, there's one more like, thing, what, Mike. When you go explore things on a planet, sometimes just that one person gets the credits for it. Oh, fine, yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, but I mean, like, what I do on my turn is so unlike Gloomhaven. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, there are way more games that I would say are similar to Gloomhaven, but this game passed itself as similar to Gloomhaven, and, and I get it. I, I think it theoretically is good for marketing. I say theoretically because I'm not sure if it really is. Because I think if you try to compare yourself to Gloomhaven, you'll always lose. Certainly value-wise. This is another thing that annoys me a lot with Gloomhaven. And this is not against any individual. It's just like the general thought process bothers me. I see so many times like when we're covering a crowdfunding game, like when I do videos and stuff. People will be like, well, this is a terrible value compared to Gloomhaven. And I'm like, everything. Is a terrible There is no game. There is no game that is not a terrible value compared to Gloomhaven. Mechs vs. Minions might be the only one that gives it kind of a run well i guess i guess if you're counting just cool miniatures but like in terms of gameplay content it's a terrible value compared oh to Gloomhaven. Well, sure yes and yeah like spirit island is the game i often hold up as having like the most cool stuff and combinations of stuff i would say that still fails to gloomhaven gloomhaven has like what 90 missions 12 or 16 characters 50 <laughs> enemy types like it's it's insane and of course, we can debate whether all that stuff actually. I was about matters. to say, yeah, <laughs> I was like, about to give, say Spirit yeah, Island. Like is a lot of that stuff more is, variety. Yeah, than I, that. I would much rather play Spirit Island. Than I think there's more variety in Spirit Island than Gloomhaven in a lot of ways, except the characters. The characters in Gloomhaven, Chef's Kiss, great variety between them. But yeah, so I, I don't know. Gloomhaven gets brought up a lot in a lot of ways, like comparing games to Gloomhaven and saying games aren't as good a value as Gloomhaven. And Gloomhaven is a great game. I played. Gloomhaven to death, like so much so that I don't really want to play Gloomhaven that much anymore because <laughs> I played it so much. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it, it is brought into places that it does not belong. Stars of Icarus, to be fair, made the comparison themselves and clearly were inspired by Gloomhaven. But even there, it's a very, very different game. You know, Well, there's two major things, I think. There's the combat deck, which is almost identical. And you're leveling yeah. up and you're adding cards to the combat deck. Although they do one thing a little bit differently where their cards that you add to the deck, it's not like a plus one modifier with this ability or whatever, it gives you this ability and then you draw another card. So you're still going through your main deck at the same pace. Most of those cards aren't replacing basic cards. They are in addition to, and they still speed you through the deck because they're like, they're this and draw another card. So it's like repair one and draw a card. So I mean, to be fair, Gloomhaven had that too. It just wasn't as, I think, I, I think Akarius does it more often like basically all of those cards whereas gloomhaven did it sometimes you know they would have like the little arrow or whatever it was and you would draw another card and it would like modify that yeah like it's stun and plus one and that kind of thing yeah so that part's the same and then the preventing combat by discarding a card which in this one you, oh yeah you flip true. over a part Th those are kind of the major two ways that it's copied gloomhaven but beside that, everything else is completely different. Like, it's very, it's much more tactical in my mind. Gloomhaven certainly has its tactical stuff, and it tries to make itself more tactical, especially with certain characters that want to be near the wall or near certain things. I just think it's more limited in the ways it can do it. Whereas here, and this is something I didn't mention, even the attack cards you have have a limited arc of fire. 
So like you can only hit certain spaces. So you have to maneuver yourself in such a way to aim towards certain enemies. And especially if it's something that like can hit multiple targets, you really want to try to maneuver yourself to line yourself up to hit those multiple enemies with that shot or you're kind of wasting half of the power of the shot. So the tactical nature of the combat in this is much more so for me than something like Gloomhaven. Again, Gloomhaven, you have different types of tactics. You have two different cards and tops and bottoms and all that stuff. But for me, I I just really like how the tactical nature of this was and the spatial positioning in this game worked. It felt like space combat. So the rest of that doesn't feel like Gloomhaven. But it's so funny. We pitched a game to a well-known publisher, and they basically, again, our game was a dungeon crawl for sure. No question about it. But like... Had Nothing else. No so card. No, I mean, it was it's dice <laughs> activation for your characters. You did level up, I guess. Uh, but you leveled I, way faster than Gloomhaven. In fact, you leveled several times within the course of that first mission they played. They leveled up a couple times, got a c- couple new cool stuff. They got different skills for their pilot, which is like a permanent ability, which Gloomhaven doesn't really have anything like that. I guess they have cards you could play, but then it goes out of your deck that's permanently played. Either way. Really nothing like it. And they go, oh, so this is basically like Gloomhaven, but simpler and <laughs> more straightforward. I was like, does that appeal to you? Like, I don't know. Like, this is a publisher pitch we were doing. I was like, I mean, if, if that sounds good to you, then yes, that's exactly what it is. And if it doesn't, then not really, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're dungeon crawls, so sure. I mean, completely different theme, setting, everything. I, I just think it's funny. Even publishers want to do this, like pigeonhole something into that, like, well, Gloomhaven's popular, so let's make everything sound like Gloomhaven. But I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like even though that seems to be the obvious course of action for marketing, I feel like the opposite is probably better. Because again, you can't beat Gloomhaven. It's already got huge market share and huge visibility. You know what I mean? So like I see things like the Red Dragon Inn Dungeon Crawler that we covered or like the Awaken Realms games. Like I think they're going in very different directions. Like people tend to, th- at least we tend to think Gloomhaven's story is a weak point of that. So other games are going heavier story, you know what sure. I mean? Or, you know, something like Oathsworn or Kingdom Death Monster, although Kingdom Death Monster, did that predate Gloomhaven? Yes. I can't remember anymore. Yep. But yeah, like those, you know, they're boss battlers, not dungeon crawlers. You have more variety in every single fight, whereas Gloomhaven, you can get a little bit samey sometimes in those scenarios. So I, I would say, like, don't try to fight Gloomhaven where it lives. And, and I personally, I know you don't like it as much, Peter, but I really love that like two card mechanic. I, I'm waiting for somebody to do that in a game that is not a dungeon crawler. Like I think there are lots of cool things you could do with that mechanic that are not a <laughs> dungeon crawler base, you know, like top and bottom, pick two cards, decide when it's your turn. It, it was weird when a major publisher that has theoretically played tons of dungeon crawlers and adventure games in their time could not compare our game to anything except Gloomhaven. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But that's just where we are, I guess. Yeah, so we do have a comment from Ortiz-Lizitro. This is why I don't do the reading of stuff. It says, tell us more about your Gloomhaven ripoff. Ha just kidding, but for real. I'm curious <laughs> about your game. So you'll be hearing more about it. We have another game that's coming out first. We, we have decided to start self-publishing. So for those of you who don't know, we are going to self-publish. Our first game is getting real close to getting to a point where we're going to start sharing some information about it. It's not going to be our dungeon crawl, not our first one. We're going to go with something a little bit smaller as far as scale first, but a game we're super proud of and super happy about and super excited to start sharing information. But yes, our game after will be our dungeon crawl. More likely than not, of course, depending on how our first campaign goes. But if yeah, you want to, we, we have to say <laughs> yes. But if you want to learn more about anything we're doing, Discord's a great place to go. Follow us at the One Stop Co-op Shop Discords. You can find out more about us there. And uh, our publisher, not quite on Board Game Geek yet, but it'll be MVP Board Games. We are cocky, both of us. Yes, we do feel like we're MVPs, but it does not stand for that. Mike's name is Mike. My name is Peter. And Mike's uh, wife's name is Vanessa. She helped us out very early on a lot uh, with our graphic design and things like that. In fact, she did the graphic design and art for our first game that ever came out. So Mike, Vanessa, Peter, MVP Award Games makes a lot more sense that way than thinking that we are the MVPs of anything, especially since we haven't published not one game yet. But coming soon. Yeah, we're, we're trying the self-publishing thing because, oh, Peter, isn't it so lovely to deal with publishers? All the 
Fun story. That, that could be a whole podcast. Fun I, with publishers. I feel like we do did have a podcast like that, and then somebody's yeah, depressed at the end. Like, somebody's totally depressed. They're like, oh my gosh, like, I never want to deal with this. And yes, we want to be the kind of publishers that are not like the, the publishers that we don't want to deal with. Well, and you see a lot of publishers, like, look at Chip Theory Games. Like, they, it's mainly the two brothers and then a few other people they brought into their sphere doing, like, all the designing. Or Van Ryder is now basically just AJ and Evan doing all their designs. Like they're like, we don't want to deal with anybody else. But I, I get it. Having been on both sides, it's it's very nice to just make your game and publish it. There you go. <laughs> you know, and not have to worry about it. yeah, and other people like messing with your creative vision and stuff like that. Which I mean, that's a whole other podcast. So we're not going to get into that design discussion tonight. But no, I I think. You could probably tell I'm still waffling a lot on Stars of Icarus myself. Like, I want to play it more. I've enjoyed it every time I've played it. It'll be curious to see where this one falls come the end of the year. Have I yeah. forgotten about it completely? Have other games outshined it? Or is it a game where it's like, you know what? I still want to get this one back to the table. It's it's funny because I'm a miniatures guy. And, like, I didn't open the miniatures pack because I'm like, oh, we'll probably end up getting rid of this one as soon as we're done reviewing it. But I do want to play it some more. So it's hard to say. Listen to this for a second, Peter. Games we might cover at the end of the year based on whether you played them all. Role player adventures, if you want to borrow that, because I, I did a podcast with Colin on it. Sleeping Gods, Vagrant Song, Oathsworn, Hoplomachus Victorum, this one, probably ISS Vanguard. I, I think our like top 20 <laughs> of the podcast year might be like half big narrative adventure games <laughs> that's it's kind of crazy to think about right and then think about the next coming years you got the new seventh continent the new tainted grail i, I thought there was another one in that vein that we just... i mean primal whenever that delivers aeon trespass odyssey whenever that delivers i mean i've covered a lot of these things and if they send us review copies of some of them then we'll probably cover them on the podcast so yeah it's pretty wild so we haven't done a whole lot of Euroy games, like the Loop and stuff like that this year. It feels like they just, they haven't come out. Or either that or we're just missing them. I guess we did, did we do Kites? Did we ever do a podcast on that? We could certainly talk about it, but I mean, I don't know. I don't really think we get... did it yet. I mean, yeah, we, we have <laughs> we have a lot of non-campaign games. We got Unsettled, Imperium Classics. Initiative, I guess, is also a campaign with a narrative, although clearly very different. Ascension Tactics, Marvel United, Paint the Roses. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been a eclectic year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but but definitely I think more I, I don't think we've ever covered this many big narrative campaign. Well you can't nothing. I mean you can't well anyway. Yes, you can't I, I agree with that. You can't well, because you gotta play these at least like ten times to really know what the heck you're talking about generally. Right. And honestly, I mean I played this one over ten times, but I mean I just got out of the, the prequel. Right. I, I mean, I can't tell you how the game ends up and like I'm excited to play more of it. But like, I have no idea what's going to happen. The prequel is quite long. <laughs> it's it, it's interesting. I, I used to complain about the uh, prequel, quote unquote, or whatever. Not even complain, but like the first island for uh, Seventh Continent, like takes you an hour or so to get off of. This is way more than that. This is like three hours of gameplay or more, probably more than that, just to get out of the prequel here. I mean, it's kind of tutorial because, like, you do have your first world exploration and stuff in there, but a lot of it is not tutorial anymore. It's just like, here's more ship combat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's like a lot of games part. are like, we've taught you the game. Here it opens up. They definitely keep it linear longer than most of these kind of narrative games do. Cool. Like, even compared to Sleeping Gods, you saw a fast tutorial with Sleeping Gods, and they're like, go explore. You know, like after like forty five minutes or something. Yeah, well, Sleeping Gods was a fun one too. We haven't covered that yet either. There's a lot more stuff. So if you have anything that you want to see us cover that we haven't covered yet this year, go ahead and bring it to our attention as well. Because, hey, there's never enough games, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. Great seeing everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop, or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. Hey, Mike. Yeah? Our dungeon crawl might be about space.
It is. I mean, there are, like you said, there are some similarities in the campaign, which maybe means, like you said, maybe we're troping it too hard. <laughs> I mean, you be troping, Mike. You be troping. <laughs> <laughs> you went a totally different way than I thought you were.